I mean, it does still occasionally happen. They'll be like, you're still on the old hardware and we just need you to reset your box. And when it comes right. back up, but it'll be on the new that's, stuff. That's pretty yeah. painless though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's not, oh, I need to go offline and replace yep. the entire switch in my data center. And- yep. Spend my Saturday doing it. Well, I configured the firewall wrong and the NAT wasn't hitting ICP correctly. So, uh, sorry about the 24 hours of downtime. While I smoke. Well, uh, I'm going to clip my ponytail. Okay. Wow. Welcome to Working Code. And now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. All right. Well, it is show number 31 for July 14th. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about to the cloud, but why? And as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And it looks like it is my week to go first. So I'm going to start it off by saying I am just all over the place. I couldn't decide. I've got so many goods and so many bads going on right now. I couldn't choose. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of lay my hand down on the table here. Uh, I mentioned last week I had my books in hand and I was uh, starting to collect money for pre-orders and get those into the mail. And so as of today, that first batch of books went out in the mail. So anybody that's paid me by today got theirs in the mail. And I'll be looking for it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I heard one's coming to Warner Robins. Yep. Two of them to Georgia. Yeah. So what else? I've been, it's been a rough week for me at work. Um, just in terms of like struggling to find motivation. The thing that is, so I have ADHD and the thing that I'm working on isn't urgent and it's not novel and it's not, um, super interesting to me. And I'm just, I'm just struggling to find that motivation. And I think that I'm just gonna, it's going to be one of those things where I just have to push through. But, you know, sort of, again, flipping back the other way today at the very end of the day, like even after I was supposed to be done working for the day and I still was, I figured out a neat trick with NPM scripts that I'm going to be blogging about to blah, 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 whatever. It's a it's a tech nerd thing that is way too deep to discuss here. <laughs> uh, and and then, you know, again, back in the other direction today, I got an email that my gym is closing down like permanently. Oh, and what? I, I mean, I just oh, started boy. going back, you know, I, I'd stopped going because of COVID. I just started going back like two weeks ago. So now I got to figure out where I'm going to go instead. Or maybe I'll maybe I'll take this as my moment to like do the research and get a squat rack and a bench and, and some plates and do it at home or something. I don't know to talk to somebody. But yeah, I mean, I'm just all over the place. I can't even <laughs> think straight right now. So that's me. Who wants to go next? Ben, don't you work out at home? Yeah, I have a we we we're in a co-op. And we rented a garage in the next building, and uh, I have a squat rack pushed up against the uh, the back of the garage. Um, it's been cool. great. I, I I miss the camaraderie of being in a mm-hmm. gym. I don't I don't even right. know if I'd say camaraderie because I'm not like a very social person. But but there's an energy, you know, and you get <laughs> yeah. the, the the music and the people. And people yeah, and, yeah. Seeing the other people lift yeah. is like my like. Okay, I can push yeah, harder. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's a double edged sword, right? Because then you have to like wait when somebody's using the oh, stuff yeah, you yeah. want to use hundred percent or, or you have to like, you, you see them sweating all over it. And even though when they're done wiping it down, I'm like, you know, I think I'll wipe it down again. <laughs> I'm that person. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Having it at home is, is great because it's, it's a, you know, 60 seconds from my door to the garage. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you get, you get all that time back and you get to control what's on the TV while you're working out. Yep. Yep. What you, what you bench in there being like 130, 140, something massive like that? That's, yeah, a little bit. A, a He's like, yeah, more. with one pinky. No, no, no. My my bench <laughs> is like one of my weakest things. Um, plus, I've always have some sort of shoulder discomfort and stuff. Hmm. Just getting older. Everything's getting older. All right, Tim, what do you got going on this week? Well, you know, I've had a series of failures. And I'm, I'm trying to turn this boat around. And uh, I'm going to call it a triumph. You know, I talked, I think it was last week where I talked about how that each day I, I get to inbox zero first thing in the morning is what I do. And then I, and I think about, I look at my list of my checkbook, my checklist of things that I'm working on. And I ask myself, what am I avoiding? Mm-hmm. Well, today I, I asked myself that, but I also asked myself, what, what is the thing that I am the roadblock on for other people? Okay. Because I'm trying to get to a point where people need me less. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds terrible. I want them not to need me. Well, you are getting and, old. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did I did have a birthday. I just turned 50 last week, so the big 50. And one thing I realized is that 
because we don't have log aggregation, I tend to be the one that when something goes wrong, and it's not often, but they're like, hey, can you look into the, what's going on with this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. So I guess stop what I'm doing. And I go on a machine and I grep a log or tail the log or do whatever it is. And then what's well, the wrong instance? So I go to another machine. I'm like, this is ridiculous. We don't have any, we have all these services and all the logs are just local to the machine they're running on. And we don't have any log aggregation. And so I said, all right, today's the day I'm going to start researching. So I started researching. I'm looking at different things. Right now I'm looking at Apache Flume. But yeah, if any of our listeners out there have suggestions for me about uh, log aggregation and things that they use, they like, or whatever, sh- shoot, me, shoot me a line on Twitter or something. I, I, I would definitely appreciate the feedback. A little more tech stack. What are you logging? Are we talking CF logs? You want to look it's at everywhere, AWS right? logs? You want to look at application logs? So some Windows yes. errors. All you want everything. All, all the uh, all the logging. Well, it's, so you know we got we have a, our Scala stack and it's mm-hmm. writing to a, to a log file, and you know you got our Cold Fusion stack and Lucy stack. They're writing to different log files, and then um, you know we got AWS and they have their own log files. I want all of that aggregated together. And I mean, so, this is kind of relevant to today's topic. You said you have all these things and you listed AWS as one of them. I was going to ask, mm-hmm. like, what, you know, where is your cloud? Are you Google Cloud Platform? Are you AWS? Are you self-clouding? We're all of those. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and some, you have some yeah. prim, too. Like that sounds prim, painful, dude. Right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's well, no, no. It's the hybrid <laughs> cloud. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. the negative thing. We're, so we're it's the worst cloud. of all worlds. <laughs> yes. Yes. The worst of all worlds. We got Azure. We got Azure. We're on AWS. We're on oh. on-prem. Yeah. Remind me to on-prem. not come work for you. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, on-prem means you have it in a server room, like at your yeah. building. If you don't yeah. know, yeah. on-prem and, and, yeah. on-premise. Yeah. And then, and, you know, and then our on-prem is like, so we have our regular environment, then we have our PCI environment, mm. and then we have the replicated systems that are going to our, uh, you know, we, we copy everything to a, a geolocated second place in case, you know, our building burns down. So, yeah, there's it's a lot to log. I have to say. So if any of you have that stack, help Tim. I'm just, g- given how much you are into technology and how significantly advanced it seems like your system is, I'm... I'm a little shocked that you don't have log aggregation. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Trust me. It's, it's, it's embarrassing to say out loud. I, 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 I like tasked people years ago. I'm like, look, we got to have log aggregation and it just went nowhere. I'm like, all right, if I, if I'm going to get something done, I've got to, I've got to rally this thing and do it. And people are just going to have to follow me because no one wants to be the leader on this. So I, I have no idea how it really works at, uh, at work, but I, essentially all of our systems just write to the standard output. And, uh, and then I think like mm-hmm. maybe all of the pods have some sort of a sidecar that's consuming that uh, output and doing the log aggregation. It's like magic back yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dang. Here we come. PG 13. Mm-hmm. Well, that's me. How about you, Carol? All right, so I'm going to go with two triumphs. First, what? you know, just an update. The bird eggs are still there. <laughs> I did get asked about them. You know, there's three bird eggs in my backyard, and I'm slowly watching them. You should do, like, regular bird updates on our Instagram. Egg updates. I, yep. Maybe I should do that, you know. Man, okay, I'll try. I'll do my best. No promises. Um, and then the other thing is I've been struggling kind of with just some personal stuff going on. And this past weekend, I was having dinner with my son and his girlfriend and just popped up like, hey, let me show you this baby picture of Peyton and let's embarrass him. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, then like every, I started going, every it's the best thing ever. You don't know you love it till you love it. So um, while looking back through pictures, I realized that I have a lot to be thankful for. I've had a lot of really good things happen in my life. And I'm really glad that I spent the time kind of looking back and just reflecting on where I've been and where I've come from. And it totally took the pain of kind of everything right now and just kind of like washed it away a little bit. It reminded me that I have a lot of good things and that I should love myself a lot more than I do when things go wrong. And it's okay to to have happy moments and to... Mm like go back and reflect on those. Mm-hmm. So I had like made this post on Facebook and it wasn't like, Hey, come like give me love or whatever. It was more of, if you're going through something, be glad that you back up your photos to Google photos <laughs> and just go <laughs> scroll through them 
because every picture I've taken on my phone is in Google Photos. So I'm going through like t-ball pictures. I'm looking through all these things with my kids. And it's just, it's good to have those memories. It's good to, to know that it's okay. Things are good. Mm-hmm. So I love me and I'm happy about nice. that. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, That's awesome. Scrolling through my phone's photos. It's pretty funny because it's sort of the timeline of my life. And, and mm-hmm. you can see yeah. like, oh, here's a, you know, pictures of me with my friends before I met my, uh, my wife. And then like, <laughs> oh, here's when I met my, uh, you know, wife who was my girlfriend at the time. And it's a lot of pictures of her. <laughs> and then it's like, then we, then we got a dog and then it's like the next 8 million yep. photos. All dogs. Are just All dogs. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Same. Same. But doesn't it make you so happy when you look through them? No, it so. does for me. I don't it's know so about uh, the wife it's so, so much. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was that thing you said? Or you, I don't know if it was on the podcast or what. But you like you were taking pictures of her or talking to to the dog, and then the wife was like, uh, "What am I? Chop liver?" No, or? Like sometimes I'll, I'll I'll just look at the dog and I'll be like. I love you. I love you so much. You're so, you're so beautiful. <laughs> my, my wife will just, she'll jump in with a response. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That's funny. Nice. Oh, you know, Carol, I, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I, I've known you a good while. And I, I said this the other week, we had a mid, mid-year strategy session. And I kind of said this at, at the wrap up at the end that homo sapiens are, they're funny creatures because we got these really big brains and we have these very, good eyes we have extremely good eyesight for for animals but we're upright and so we can see really really far in the distance so if you're like out in the you know out in this area you can see pretty much infinitely into the horizon but we walk we move really slow we're not the fastest creatures so we're looking almost into the infinite distance and it feels like we're never getting there Mm -hmm. but step by step we are that that's our that's our superpower right we just keep going we do. But it's incremental, right? And so if yep. you don't ever stop and look back and go, wow, look, look how far I've came, you you might feel like you're never getting anywhere. I completely so I, I think, agree. Yeah. So as, as humans, you just got to stop sometime and just and, and take it in and, you know, count your blessings or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Incremental improvement day by day doesn't seem like a lot. But when you look back, you realize you've really come, you come a long it's way, a baby. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. What about you, Ben? Um, I'm going to go with a little bit of a failure here. I have, so I consider myself a T-shaped developer. I think we've talked about that on previous episodes where I'm experienced in a wide range of things, but I've been very focused heavily on the cold fusion side of things for the last couple of years, I guess, maybe like the last two years, I've been very cold fusion oriented. And, uh, I'm a little bit starting to feel like some of the JavaScript stuff is not passing me by, but I feel like I'm getting rusty and I'm starting to let the imposter syndrome of, of being more of a foolish stack developer. I feel like that's creeping in. And then I'm also getting a little bit of the, uh, the FOMO, the fear of missing out on, on some of the more fancier front end type things. And I don't know, it's it's not a good feeling. Uh, So I, I I feel like I want to start to focus more on some client side development and just do a little bit more research and development. I, I used to do all kinds of fun little experiments and Angular as the new versions were coming out. And, um, you know, Adam's been talking about uh, Next. No, no, have you been talking about Next? Or am I getting that confused? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Next, and you're head, heavy into React. I know that, and Gatsby. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, I hear all these things get discussed on various podcasts, but I'm just, yeah, I'm like, well, I mean, if I can maybe temper your, your, emotions yeah, i sure. don't even know whatever yeah yeah something on this your fomo yeah help you just help you uh, take that more as a glancing blow you know when you listen to a podcast like syntax like those guys yes they they go all the new stuff very deep very fast all the time constantly and it's crazy the amount of stuff that they get through but then you think about it that's kind of their yeah, job yeah, right? their job right. is to yeah. to get through that new stuff so they can be there in the beginning to explain it to somebody who's ready to pick it up. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, the reality is at work, I'm doing both server side and client side development, but the client side stuff I do uses a very old version of angular JS. And mm-hmm. I, I know, and I accept that the foundational stuff is all very, very much transferable to, to more modern uh, versions of both angular and other frameworks, but it's hard. It's hard sometimes not to feel like you're, missing out or you're, you know, you're not at the cool kids table at the cafeteria. Yeah. But mm. 
Well, there's you can also- always sit with us. Babe. Thank you. you can always sit with us. Okay. We'll create our- <laughs> the loser's table. Yeah, I didn't say it was a cool kids table, but you definitely sit with us. Uh, we're renaming the podcast. <laughs> the loser's table. Um, but I will say that I did have one sort of triumph this week. And that it's so it's super hot out recently. We're having a heat wave, at least in the Northeast. I assume we're having yeah. a heat wave basically everywhere right now in this mm-hmm. pre apocalyptic time. Um, <laughs> so I went to Best Buy. We have an Apple TV. So I went to Best Buy and I got this Bluetooth transmitter. So I take the Bluetooth transmitter and I plug it into the TV. And then both me and the missus can wear headphones and listen on the Bluetooth transmitter so we can keep the air conditioner. Cause we have, we have in window air conditioners and they're like jet engines. Oh, so okay, okay. what we used to do is turn the air conditioning off to watch TV and like uh, basically boil oh. until it was time to go to bed and then hopefully <laughs> flash freeze the room. That sounds yeah, awful. So, so yeah. now we can, we can watch TV with the headphones on together with the air conditioning running. <laughs> That sounds amusing to watch, but did like, do you guys have some aversion to just turning the volume up on the TV? <laughs> it's well, well, aren't you in like a, yeah, duplex so we thing? share, we uh, share yeah. a wall and th- this building was built in like 1942 and it, and there's no insulation. So you, it's, it, there's not a lot of sound dampening. So we're just, mm-hmm. you know, you're yeah, a nice neighbor. Trying to be courteous. Yeah. That's fair. Give you that. So, but it, it was, it was a, it's a game changer. That sounds cool. <laughs> My headphones. My wife and, and I wear headphones while we watch TV. At the same time. <laughs> well, but it's great because it's you can, uh, if anyone doesn't know this, you can connect Bluetooth headphones to an Apple TV, but only one mm-hmm. person can do it at a time. So what we needed was oh. the transmitter that essentially is a splitter for Bluetooth. Yeah. Cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. Mm-hmm. I've got a, an RF. It's not Bluetooth. It's RF uh, transmitter. It's great. I can walk all the way to the other side of the house and still listen to the TV nice. show. Is that radio frequency? Is that yeah, what radio RF frequency? Yeah, okay. yeah. We didn't really know what RF was. It's, a, it's old school <laughs> technology, dear. Oh, I guessed. Okay, sounds like we are ready to go to the cloud. To the cloud. <laughs> cloud. The cloud and beyond. Yeah, but why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, everybody's heard it. You know, the cloud is just somebody else's computer, kinda right. So. I think we, if we're going to have this discussion, it makes sense to discuss what we mean by the cloud, right? So right. the definition I had in mind was, you know, it, A, yes, it is somebody else's computer, but it's not just because it's somebody else's computer doesn't make it the cloud, right? Like I can run a server on a, on a computer in my office and expose it to the internet. That doesn't make it the cloud. That makes it my computer as far as you're concerned. So, and it's not hosting where you're buying a machine, dedicated machine, right? That's hosted, right? right. Cloud is. So, yeah, to me, I guess the cloud means um, kind of two things. The first would be um, I can kind of commission it and decommission it at will. Yep. And the second is that it is not in like my purview. And when I say my, I'm really kind of meaning like, you know, my company, or if this is me personally, it's, you know, you know, it's not a server on in my bedroom under my desk or something like that. Yeah. I think of shared resources. Yeah. Like that's a good way to put it. Like I'm on this box, if you want to call it that, but there could be a whole bunch of other people on that box too, all sharing the resources. So Mm -hmm. when I'm down they're up with those resources. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, before we saw Google cloud and AWS really take off, I think that Tons of companies had huge amounts of uh, money and hardware in their data centers, and they oh, were yeah. doing like huge VMware installs. And you would like provision a VMware instance from your IT group and that sort of thing. And it's like that's the idea, but now we're sort of abstracting that out outside of your company. So that's what I think of when I think of yeah. the cloud. Does anybody think of something different? I think one additional thing, and I, and I think Amazon Lambda really brought this to people's attention is the is how you think about paying for usage. Mm, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Pay for what you use. And and Lambda, didn't they they went from like paying per 100 milliseconds or something down to like per 10 milliseconds, something nuts. Yeah. The granularity like is crazy. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of annoying to have a, a Lambda that would run for three or 10 milliseconds and have to pay for the full 100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fix it. It's awful. Those pennies. Oh, right. <laughs> add up. up though. 
So, all right. So it sounds like we're kind of in agreement on what the cloud is. So uh, the first question I wanted to ask the three of you, see, I said the three of you this time instead of the four of you, was uh, what was each of your first exposure to using cloud services? And like, when do you think you really started to take advantage of, you know, quote unquote, real cloud computing? Hmm. I mean, I have my blog is on managed hosting with okay host tech so managed hosting is that say, what's different from hosting? shared hosting well so i'm on i mean i don't know i i don't know i'm on a i'm on a vps i guess but it's probably okay. virtualized so it it's probably yeah. a vps that's actually part of a much larger machine i assume yep so vps stands for virtual private server and when i think of vps i think of like what we were talking about with vmware but then it's yeah it's outside of your company right you know it's uh you're doing that somebody's providing that as a as a business. Right. And so part of what the managed aspect of it is you, you, they manage the infrastructure, they manage the database backups, they manage the disk backups. I, the OS patching. Yeah, they'll, they'll do the patching. Yeah. I can get them to do the uh, cold fusion updates because for whatever reason, whenever I try to run it manually, it doesn't work. And they'll provision SSL certificates. And it's like intellectually, I know I could maybe do some of these things, certainly not all of them. And I probably couldn't do all of them well. And and the reality is, I don't want to spend my time thinking about that stuff. It's not my skill set. So mm-hmm. I'd rather just pay someone, you know, some amount of yeah, money I to mean, do it for me. That managed aspect, that's another good definition to throw out there for yeah. part of the cloud, right? Somebody else does a good chunk of that work, that orchestration uh, and management. It's a bit, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that what that it, what you just described the vps wouldn't be the cloud right that's just well it's it's you renting a it's box on the spectrum of the right, things right. i don't have to um, manage yeah. right you know it's at the lowest it's at the lowest part of that totem pole maybe and that's exactly what i was asking for yeah like what mm-hmm. was your how did you dip your toe into the cloud and i think that that's a good answer for me, I started a GCP project, so a Google Cloud Platform project. When I what's a GP? G, what was Google that, yeah. Cloud Platform GCP? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I wanted my inbox to basically not really be an inbox. I wanted to filter every one of my emails by the domain that it came from, so they all had labels on it, so that I could easily just go find everything that comes to my inbox and get it to spam quicker and not look at things. So I just wrote an app script. You know, it's like a Google app script that goes through and takes my emails and puts a label on it based off the domain. And that's just running in GCP. So that was my very first like exposure to hmm. having code executing that's free, doesn't cost me anything. So that's and how long ago was that? Um, ooh, six years. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's I feel pretty like I came first toe into the water. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not that hard. Just go Google it and you'll find some examples like of how the app script itself works. So once you figure out how you set up the project in GCP and then you learn just how to deploy it and how to actually write app scripts in Google, mm-hmm. it's no different than writing just some JavaScript. You're like, all right, cool, go do it. And then you just have to watch timers and errors. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like I kind of came late to the cloud because just the background, you know, 90, 19... 99, I started working part-time at the company I'm at now. And, you know, we basically were pretty much a data center, right? We had T1 lines coming in and we were had servers. And that was really my first job was just, you know, managing the servers. And and so people would kind of like, you know, Ben, they would like buy compute resources. And so we were sort of that provider. So if I ever wanted to do anything, I was like, I wasn't going to, it was yeah, free yeah. for me to like throw something on one of our machines, mm-hmm. right? So I, it made no sense. But really wasn't till probably eight years ago I started using AWS and initially just using like the EC2. And EC2, in my opinion, it's kind of like the same thing. It's like you you stand up a machine, provision mm-hmm. it, and you, you you basically are just using their internet and they're, they're taking care of backups and things like that. But it's really not even fully managed hosting, but it's, it was cheap, yeah. right? So uh, that was sort of my first thing. And, you know, we started using other services as well. Uh, but yeah, that was, that'd be my first one was kind of like using EC2 on, on, on AWS. Hmm. And what, what did you say EC2 was? Cause I don't even know what that is. It's elastic uh, compute cloud. Uh, yeah. yeah. So whenever, whenever there's a I number shorthand to anything. Yeah. In an AWS service, whenever there's a number, yeah. it usually means that they're, uh, repeating the letter before. So S3 is the simple storage service. Oh, I did not know that. I, nope. I, I always wonder what the two was. Okay. Yeah. 
elastic compute yeah. cloud. Yo, actually, pre-managed hosting, I had a uh, GeoCities page. I know, I know, what? Adam had the what was it, the Church oh, yeah. of Do? What, what was it? Uh, yep, 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 yep. And, and, it, and that was on AOL. Was AOL. But yeah, well, like <laughs> in a way, GeoCities is kind of like cloud in that mm-hmm. it was just a FTP folder. I didn't know anything about the yeah. infrastructure. I don't know how it was maintained or kept online. I just had a file system. I mean, you know, I pushed. Yep. You literally just, just dropped in. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, nice. yeah. Well, if you, if you go to consider, yeah, I had a little website on AWL as well. FTP things up there and all the flashing, blinking yeah. things going across the screen. Your seven under construction gifts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had a GeoCities too. I remember in high school, you know, I put up a website. I don't I have no idea what was on it, but uh, I remember like printing up a sheet of paper that had the the URL, you know, it's like, you know, 150 characters long, <laughs> geocities.com slash whatever neighborhood slash your username, whatever. It's so easy. Just type yeah. it. <laughs> What's a tilde? And, um, and I would like <laughs> cut out the strips of the paper so that I'd had like individual little strips and I would pass those out to people. <laughs> Here, come oh. check out my website. <laughs> okay, Ben, it's confirmed. If you sit with us, you're definitely at the nerd table. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. For sure. I had totally forgot about that until you mentioned it, Ben. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Oh, love stories. So the thing I had in mind when I was thinking about my first, you know, semi-cloud experience, probably around the time that I was in college, I was using, I was just trying to get into blogging and I was unhappy with things like Blogger and WordPress. You know, you could get free hosting for like PHP stuff or, or HTML, like GeoCity sort of thing, FTP it in. But I wanted, and I was uh, at the time getting into Cold Fusion, and I really wanted to do CFML code. So I started looking, and I found shared hosting for CFML. It was like five bucks a month, and Dang. support was basically non-existent. There was an email address, but I don't think they even bothered to check it. And <laughs> you know, and it was terribly slow, and all it was all sandbox. You couldn't run into the any of the interesting tags, and it was awful. But you know, that was like my sort of my first experience. And then from that, from that bad experience, what I ended up doing was like the very first cold fusion conference that I went to the, the nerd table that I sat at at lunch, I talked to a bunch of those people and I complained about this and we (laughs) decided we were going to form like our own little co-op and we pooled our money together and we bought a VPS and it had just, it was just a windows server with like SQL express on it and cold fusion. One guy donated his cold fusion license and, and we, uh, we shared the server, and so everybody had FTP access and, and RDP, and there's just like the six of us or whatever on there. And it was so I much better, so much better. That's one thing I love about this community, about the CF community. Those people, the people in it are just awesome. Yeah, the best people. It's ever. a lot of fun. And and then thinking about like when I, when did I really get into something? I would put you know I would take away the quotes real cloud computing. Probably not until. My current job. So I think I started here in 2003. No, sorry. That's way too early. I don't know. App scripts have only been around 12 years. So, well, yeah, I mean, it would have been after my youngest or after my oldest was born. So probably like 2009, 2010 ish. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we were putting together these products and we knew we needed to be able to sort of scale on demand, add additional servers and, and section everybody off. Uh, into isolation. So uh, that's kind of when we made that pivot from buying, a, you know, buying a server and having this be our server. And yes, it's managed server, but it's still our our one little thing. As right. we pivoted that from that to like Tim, I think it was Tim saying doing like EC2. Yeah. And, and that was our first foray into the cloud. And then from there, we started to branch out into like use different services for different things. Yeah, we use a lot at um, work, but my first like big work has been this project I started on. Yeah. Like, you know, that's been my first big actual start a project in the cloud, Mm -hmm. begin there, not moving anything. So, yeah, that's only 12 weeks ago. (laughs) Goodness. So everybody okay to move on? Yeah, I I would say also maybe one other thing that we haven't touched on necessarily. So not only is there the concept of things being managed for you and paying for what you use, but now in the last few years, there's been a lot of a push towards moving actual processing out closer to customers through CDNs, where CDNs have historically been just 
content delivery networks, but now they're also becoming sort of edge processing where you can mm-hmm. have now workers like processors in points of presence close to users that actually can intercept and do a lot of processing for you without ever having to go back to your uh, origins. I haven't really done much of that myself at all, but I know that's that's becoming more of a thing. And I know I know people are trying to figure out how to best leverage that these days. Is that where like regions come into play? Like in AWS? Kind of. I don't know. So like we have things so, executing sort of. like in the like Oregon region, and then those things take a little longer for me to process than it does for people in the office in California. Yeah, it can it can uh, how do I want to say this? It can serve sort of both purposes, right? So if it's closer to you, you're going to get faster responses, you know, lower latency sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that that's not exactly what Ben was saying. Okay. This was, you know, you can sort of have both at the same time. Okay. Just trying to better understand. Yeah. It's all just getting so crazy. And right. I think this was sort of the origin of this whole topic, right? Someone, one of our patrons was kind of complaining about just how many services mm-hmm. there are. Yeah, like even just within AWS, didn't I see that you looked it up, Tim? There's something like 100 192. Yeah, yeah. 192. And, and it's like I, I'm looking at my management console here uh, online, and really the my recently visited. So 192 out of all of them, I'm using eight. I use Amazon Poly, which is the uh, uh, text to voice service yeah. where you yeah you know, we can create uh, type in something and it comes out with very nice natural sounding voice. Uh, EC2, which talk about, you know, it's kind of like basically you, you have a machine there on their premise. Uh, S3, their storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, RDS, we have a, a Postgres, several Postgres SQL databases up there that we use. Route 53, which is their, uh, which is their host uh, domain names and stuff. I'm pretty sure that's one of the only ones that has numbers in it, that the numbers aren't significant about the immediately previous letter yeah i was wondering about that ah. you told me that what does 53 mean but yeah that's i mean they're they're you can buy domains pretty cheaply and they're easy oh, to, yeah. it's a whole lot easier than GoDaddy to manage your domain and certificate manager and then the iam which is i think it's the access manager mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's really your, the only things i use yeah but, i mean the services they have are crazy it's like if you want to use satellite ground station so i mean they have a whole <laughs> service that's for managing you know computing managing with satellites doing things with satellites and like Amazon managed blockchain. So much stuff. It's a lot. And you said you only use a couple, but I feel like you named so many. Well, eight. I mean, yeah. yeah and that's the thing. I mean, there's a whole lot of like these little, I guess kind of like microservice kind of things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I have, I have 14 favorited Dang. that I use often enough. So I have 14 that's, favorited. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. You're doing good. It's basically S3. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. That's my level of, of cloud. So do you query? Do you query S3? Would you query uh, S3 we, with? We basically just use it as a, the object store using uh, the Java client through Cold Fusion. So I'm pushing to and pulling things okay. down. I, I mean, Envision as a company, we use a lot more cloud than than just sure, that. Yeah. But that's kind of my area of interaction. But as, mm-hmm. you know, on a, on a previous episode, a couple months ago, maybe I, I was saying that one of the things that terrifies me about AWS is the I am roles and permissions and, and who can mm-hmm. do what. So yeah. scary. It, it's so scary. Yeah. And not only that, just the other day we had a system where thumbnailing image thumbnailing just completely stopped working. And it turned out it was because someone had changed some permission setting on the SQS, mm-hmm. the simple queue service, which is how we queue up the thumbnailing yep. jobs. And, mm-hmm. uh, and like that was done by people who their whole job is managing the infrastructure. Right. So like, like it's hard for them too. So, so I, and and that's where I get very intimidated because there are so many things that I see in the cloud amongst the Amazon services and other things where it feels like there's a lot of potential there. And I can, like, I, I feel it in my gut, but I don't necessarily know how to picture it in my head and there's an overhead to the orchestration of all the systems working in harmony. And and that's where I always feel like I'm not going to have that skill set, or it's going to just be too much of my time. And that's not really what I, you know, where my value is best added in terms of like what I do on a day-to-day basis. So that's, Mm -hmm. it, it, it scares me a little bit, you know, part of it is FOMO, part of it is imposter syndrome. Part of it is, is like just prioritization. There's a lot, there's a lot going on those emotions. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Your heart matters, <laughs> Thank <Ben>. you. <laughs> Reminder. No, I was going to say one thing we do at work, we have a Slack channel. So we have like our DevOps Slack channel. So we can go post in there. But we also have a channel called Serverless. So whenever we get hit with like some error or something going on, we'll just throw it in that that serverless channel. And usually pretty quickly, someone's like, oh, here's the right person to go ask about why this permission isn't working. And that it gets you routed a lot quicker. Because if I have to sit and just search, I'm kind of going, I don't know what's happening here. I don't understand. And they're like, oh, you just aren't even on the right role to have access mm-hmm. to that. So you have to go assume this other role now. And in your template, you got to make sure you've got the right roles assigned to everything for permissions. I'm like, okay, cool. Is that because you're using SAM stuff or? Yeah. Okay. It yeah, wasn't yeah, just because exactly. <laughs> it sounded uh, at first like you were talking about if you have any issue with AWS, you put it in oh, a serverless. Okay. And I was like, huh? No, no, no. Serverless is just when yeah, something's yeah. going on with like your SAM stat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we have, we've dedicated places to get help internally. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, I mean, I guess the sort of the last chapter that I had in mind for this topic was, uh, you know, when and why would you choose cloud stuff over non-cloud stuff? And I think for me, mm. having been in it long enough now and and being familiar with it and familiar with the pricing model, and that takes a lot of the, the hesitation, the fear out of the basic stuff, like knowing I can get an EC2 for cheap and I can do Lambda for cheap. Um, I'm much more willing to, if I was going to start from scratch and, you know, on a personal thing, I would certainly start with cloud because it's just it especially when you're doing something that's not being used constantly it's a lot cheaper to just pay for what you're actually using mm. so that's you know i would start from square one on something cloud um what about you guys you know i agree having something hosted yourself is expensive plus you have to consider all of the maintenance of it you have to consider the security around it you have to consider the backups the disaster recovery you know what happens if your house floods and you've got your server sitting in your closet (laughs) Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about that if you have it you know and i'm talking about someone starting out obviously right sure so i mean you you would have that out there you would just log in from wherever you have power at and you're back online like it never went offline for everyone else well I, I was just going to say that to piggyback on what you mentioned about security there, I would almost make it uh, one of the things that's very attractive about cloud is that you can create better isolation, which allows you to do things that could otherwise be dangerous. And and when I oh, say yeah. dangerous, I don't mean something nefarious necessarily, although I think you, you do benefit from the isolation there. But But dangerous can mean doing something that might take up all of your CPU processing. All right. Yeah. Sudden, like yeah. <laughs> all, of, all of a sudden something can eat up your entire uh, RAM allocation. So mm-hmm. one of the first places that we used cloud architecture at work is for image processing where, you know, someone might upload something that all of a sudden requires 12 gigabytes of RAM to resize. And if you're doing that on a machine, that's also running your application server, you know, things could become unresponsive. Also, with cloud, a lot of times you can just let things crash and it's not a problem because then they'll just spin up again. They yeah. spin right back um, up. Yeah. So you get, there is a lot of security like there that. in terms of durability and uh, protection. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about that. I think durability is probably better than security because I, I do think that is some people think that, you know, they put it in the cloud that it's it's more secure. Not necessarily. Like if you are just running an EC2 instance or whatever the equivalent is in the other ones and you're not you know, you're not doing best practices on it. It can still get hacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be it's, it's going to be limited to your right. machine, but it doesn't mean you're safe just because you're in the cloud. It's still your code running. Yeah, that's my biggest fear is that you know we've got all this stuff. We've got a VPC in AWS, virtual, private, something, <laughs> and uh, you know all of our stuff is in there. And so if we have one thing misconfigured, somebody gets a way in and then they're in and maybe they can find a way to escalate out to some other box and, you know, get access to all kinds of crazy stuff, change our IAM settings and oh, lock us out and start mining Bitcoin. I, you know, who knows what I'm just, I'm, that's my, that's the thing that yeah. I lose sleep over yeah. is everything secure. And I think of you talk about when is it time to move stuff? So, I mean, Platforms like AWS, and I'm speaking about AWS because that's the one I'm most familiar with. Uh, We do have stuff in Azure, but I really don't touch it. I mean, they have so many different services that are are more than just other people's computer in the in in the cloud, right? I talk about Poly, right? So if you know, I'm not going to write my own text to speech or even install like some Java program that does it. It's like it's an API that I can call and I can 
send it some text and it comes back with perfectly fluent Spanish, you know, other things that they have, like the, the media services where they can like, I used to try to like encode like big videos and stuff that, you know, the elastic transcoder, you can just, just send up something up there and it will do it for you on their CPU much faster and quicker and send it back to you than, than you could do it yourself. Mm -hmm. They do so many things for you that it's worth it to, if you're deciding to build something first, look and say, all right, does whoever I'm using, whether it be Azure or Google or, or AWS, do they already have something like this already that I can take advantage of? Because it just makes sense to not reinvent the wheel. Chatbot, AWS chatbot. I mean, write your own chatbot. They have a chatbot. It's really good. Along those lines, I I sometimes hear people talk about the worry of vendor lock-in, where the mm-hmm. more services you start to use, say for example from Amazon, the more bought in you are to the whole Amazon infrastructure, and then you couldn't say take your system and lift it over and, and shift it to Google Cloud or or Azure. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the counter argument that I always hear to that is, so what, like add yeah. value to your customers, add value to your business. Don't worry so much about that. It, it's the same as like, why use a specialized database or why use a, you know, a, a, a flavor of SQL that has advantages. Like people will have, You're yeah, pre-optimizing. People have vendor lock-in all over the place. So don't worry about it from an infrastructure oh, yeah. level. No matter what you use, if you're going to change, you're going to make changes. Right. So, and, and, and nothing's yeah. ever easy to migrate anywhere. So <laughs> correct me nope. if I'm wrong, but isn't that sort of the, the, uh, the value proposition of Kubernetes that, you know, you, you configure your infrastructure as code with Kubernetes to say, you know, that we want this many clusters of this sort of thing. And it's a cluster is these serve this, you know, X of three of X server and you know three cache servers and two web servers and whatever. And, and it goes and it spins all that up on, you know, GCP or Azure or AWS, whatever you happen to be using hmm. and, and controls it for you. I was going to say, I think the vendor lock side of that isn't so much where it's spinning it up. I think it's more of like the services side. So it's like I'm using, you know, the Comprehend for my natural language processor. And if I have to switch off to another one, then now I'm going to have to go figure out. How yeah, I mean, to they're going to have different everything. APIs that you're going right. to have to update to. But and I possibly think possibly different code. Well, and it's it's not just the APIs though. I think it's the integration that the services have. So, so like last yeah. week or the week before, when I was talking about Brian Class doing his presentation, and I was joking around about how overwhelming it felt to have a simple notification service post a simple queue service, which was then like automatically piped into uh, something firehose like Kinesis firehose, which is then mm-hmm. piped into S3 automatically, which was then queryable through Amazon Athena. I, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of that sort of just happens. Like you just configure it and it just works. I mean, I don't know how to mm-hmm. do any of it's it. It's magic. It's funny you mentioned Brian. I actually sent him a message to see if maybe we could have him as a guest come on the show and like school us on all this Nobody stuff. Else. He's, he's so far ahead of, of us on this kind of stuff. He's awesome to talk to. So we talked a little bit about the benefits here. What are some of the drawbacks of working in the cloud rather than not being in the cloud? And I think that the first one is probably pretty obvious. It's the learning curve, right? Oh, yeah. There's so much to learn when you're first getting started. Yeah. And the um, documentation isn't always mm. well-maintained, mm. as we found out. There's lots of documentation. It's Yeah, it's not always the most up-to-date. I think we mentioned that before. It's like, man, I'm struggling with a problem. And it's like, I find something like, this is exactly my problem. And you look at it, it's like three years old and they've completely changed everything. Even if it's up to date, <laughs> half the time it feels like it's just, it's missing a stuff. Single, it, yeah. you know, it's, it doesn't cover my particular use <laughs> yeah. case. Right. Right. It covers all 11 other use cases, <laughs> just not mine. So, example, um, we're using S3 for storage of all of the emails that are coming in to basically go through, send them over, comprehend. Then we just want to go come back, get the entities out of it. Anyways, I was just doing a list on it and it's like the list objects B2 is, I think, what it is through S3. And I'm like, man, I think my, like, I think this Lambda's timing out. It's running out of memory. Something's going on with this thing because no matter what I did, this one inbox would not pull a single message after the 22nd. And I'm like, why does it stop on the 22nd? After digging through it, digging through it, I'm like, I don't know. My lead developer comes back from vacation Monday. He's like, now when's it doing it? I'm like, on the 22nd for this one box every time. He's like, Oh, I think 
the documentation somewhere mentioned it only will pull 1,000 keys at a time. <laughs> then you have to send back through the next like continuation token. I was like, <laughs> it's literally one sentence in the documentation that says continuation token will be sent back if is truncated is true. And you don't know what the is truncated is. So I'm like, how was I supposed to know that from like a sentence? Like, give me more information. Like, how would you use this? Like, where is this coming? Like, what do you do with it? Not just a sentence. Like, I just feel like it's missing. I was like, seriously? So then you had to go pull it with the continuation token. Then I got all of the days back after that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Another drawback that I was thinking of is that it's real easy to... I mean, it can be a little too easy to set up extra stuff and to not realize what you've got going. <laughs> yeah. And and all of a sudden yeah. you, you know, you're, you're chugging along and you think you're running just like one little EC2 server and some S3 stuff. And then you get a bill for $5,000 at the end of the month. And you're yep. like, Oh uh-huh. no. You're yep, like, yep. who turned on x-ray? Yeah. So we, so it wasn't our company, but a, a, a sister company of ours that, uh, they, I mean, they're, they're, you gotta be smart about how you deploy stuff to a cloud service because yeah, you can want, you can run up a really big bill really, really fast if you know what you're doing. And I, I think they just kind of said, we're moving to the cloud and they just, they just basically took all their boxes, copied them and put them on EC2, super extra large instances, maxed out the memory, maxed out the drives. Right. And, and yeah, they were paying huge amounts of money um, for, for it. And they really a lot more than they ever needed. I, I mean, our EC2, I have got 24 EC2 instances. I pay 500 bucks a month. How many? For for the five, 24. 24. That yeah. feels pretty 24 good. 24 instances. I pay 500 bucks a month. That feels for, nice. For just these, I mean, there's other services, the RDS. I mean, it, the total bill adds up a little bit, but it's, I mean, 500 bucks for that's 24 servers. It's not bad. That, that's good. But I mean, most of them are small. I mean, our, our applications that we build, they're microservices, right? I can run most of them on a small instance, some of them on micro. So... Yeah, so it stays pretty cheap. Just so you have to be very smart about how you're deploying stuff and what you know. Your, the knee-jerk reaction sometimes is, "Oh, this service is running slow. We'll just make it extra large." Well, <laughs> maybe eh, they'll figure they might, out what else is going might, on. You know, it might solve the problem, but that's a long-term mm-hmm. bill. You you do that now, you're paying for that for the rest of the life of the product. So maybe figure out what the problem is first before you decide that upgrading your your service is the, is the answer. Yeah, I mean, also that's kind of a benefit too, is that you can change that, right? So if you buy hardware, then throw it in your data center somewhere. Mm. You, that's the hardware right. you've got. You can sell it. Yep. You can yep. buy new hardware. <laughs> but if you don't like the size of the instance that you bought from AWS, you just stop using that one and yep. start using a different one. You can resize it right. without even like some oh, of, yeah, some services like you can resize without even turning them off. I think mm-hmm. EC2, you have to like shut the machine down. Yeah. But still, you know, we're talking two minutes of work. With Lambdas, they have a pretty good interface. Like you literally can log into the interface and just go, I want to increase memory. Just yep. go to the configuration it's tab. It's a slider. Give it more memory. <laughs> that's it. I mean, you don't have to do the interface, obviously. You can do it all in code. But I like that I can do it there because then I also can, in the right-hand corner, say export my SAM stack and I can get an understanding of how to build the template then. Nice. I'm like, oh, hmm. these are the changes that you need. Got it. Understand. I do wish that on Lambda, they would separate CPU power from memory. There are yeah. times that I need lots of CPU, but I don't need a ton of memory. Mm-hmm. And nope, you just get time and yeah. Mem- the, the more memory you assign, the more CPU power you get. Mm-hmm. Nope, not splittable. I, I think that uh, there's a certain degree of complexity, and and you know, obviously, this kind of dovetails with learning curves and just general skill sets and experience. But the more services you have, just general operational complexity and mental model of how you think about a system increases. I mean, that's not necessarily cloud specific. If you had all of your own hosted services, you'd still have all that operational complexity. But because as Tim pointed out, cloud makes things easier and you can just start spinning stuff up and and emitting events and piping things into other things. It's it's easier to maybe get running, but it's just, there's a lot of complexity there and there's a lot of hidden hidden things like I know at work we'll have an incident where something's breaking and it takes us a little while sometimes to figure out what's breaking and where that right. issue is. And mm-hmm. cause you know, you'll have something that's symptomatic, but that's really symptomatic because something upstream from the request oh. is actually mm-hmm. breaking and there's a cascading failure and things get complex. Yeah. And, and so sometimes like Amazon will send me alerts to say that, you know, by this date, they're going to do this thing. They're going to update 
something or like I can't, I can maybe do it earlier, mm. but I, you know, I can't postpone it. Yeah. You can't stop it. So it's, I can't stop it. They're going to, they're going to update that thing regardless of what it does. And it, typically it, it, t- it tends to not be nefarious or, or destructive of the process, but it's like, I always worry. I'm like, oh, yeah. I watch that date. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll just go ahead and run, you know, I can run it myself, you know, while I'm awake. I don't want it to break while I'm sleeping and I wake <laughs> up to a mess in the morning. But yeah, you don't have control over, over some things. And it's all about trust, right? So it's like you're trusting that Amazon and Microsoft and Google, that they are going to be up and running. Mm-hmm. And Sure. I mean, they're big companies and they probably are going to be up and running, but you know, there are cases where they do go down and you, you have no control over that. Honestly, I use that to my advantage. So I have a a side business with just one customer and occasionally like when Amazon goes down, if, if uh, not S3, but if EC2 goes down in like one region, then they go offline and you know what? So does the other half of the internet. Right. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not just me that's down. Sorry. It's, it's Twitter and down. Facebook. And, yeah, yeah, everybody's down. Hold your horses. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you're hosting it, you're like, man, I got to explain this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then you got to reach out to that support email and hope that they answer. <laughs> right. What was that service that went down not too long ago that pretty much took like core of the internet down? Cloudflare. Cloudflare. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't realize how much it was backing until it went down. Discord was out. But I mean, overall, I think it's positive because I mean, they do, they do a lot of things for you. They offer a lot of things, and and the the pricing is, you know, very affordable, pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's 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 pay as you use for the most case, right? Yeah. So you don't use it, you don't pay for it, and you can also do uh, like bulk discounts, right? So if you know I'm going to be using this EC2 server and I'm not going to need to upsize it for the next three years, you can pay for three mm-hmm. years in advance, and it yeah. it works out to be like the cost of paying monthly for two years. Something. Oh, like that's that. cool. Now you are stuck with that. I mean, you've, you've prepaid that and there's no refund, right? So you can, you yeah. can, um, they have a service actually for people who have done this and then decide they don't want it. You can like sell your remaining lease basically. No, uh, that's at a actually discount cool too. Yeah. I get to yeah, sublet to, my service. Yeah. I need to do that though. Cause yeah. So you, you know, you you started spending enough money with them when all of a sudden you get a call and you get assigned an account manager. <laughs> yeah. But the account man, all they really want to do is sell me other stuff. And I'm like, really? I'm not interested. I just want you to save me some money. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll save you some money. The whole time they're just trying to push other services. They're trying, they, they want to do, they want to do a discovery call mm-hmm. where they can discover what else are you doing that we mm-hmm. can sell you? I'm like, look, and I, whenever I need to build it, I'll use you. Don't worry about yeah. it. Just, just tell me how I can save some money. Yeah. We don't have 17 and a half services on AWS and one on GCP. Like, if we need something new, we're going to build it on AWS. You just yeah. hold your horses. But but talking about building something, historically, I've heard the phrase, do it until it hurts, meaning that like <laughs> you do the worst case scenario, not worst case. It's like you do the minimum vial product until it hurts to do it that way. And then you evolve it to be a better solution. And you kind of just keep iterating on that. And I wonder if the advent of cloud and the and the ease with which people can spin up a lot of different types of services has sort of changed the way that people think about application architecture over time. Meaning like day one, I could create one box and that box runs the database server and the application server and say like stores files locally or stores files to elastic block storage or something. Or on day one, I could spin up you know, a managed RDS and write to DynamoDB and write to Amazon S3 and do a whole bunch of stuff, which, you know, probably would be more durable and have better performance and other characteristics that were attractive. But is that really what I wanted to be doing on day one? Or is, is there, are we getting away from sort of a minimum viable product mindset? I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just wondering if that's changing the way people think about building stuff and evolving products. I'm sure that it is changing the oh, yeah. way that people think about it. I'm sure some for the better and some for the worse. I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, it's got to be web scale yeah, yeah. on day one mm-hmm. people out there, but at the same time. What is web scale? <laughs> I mean, a lot of the services that they offer kind of, it just makes it not, ha- you, do, you don't have to build it yourself, right? So it really you're just going to leverage whatever tool that they have there already. And so you don't have to worry about that part. So you can focus on what is it that you are, you are really building that you're, cobbling together the these other tools that are coming from these these cloud services so 
I, I think it actually gives you more to your to your MVP because like there's sections of it that I don't have to worry if it is machine learning part of your project. I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that. There's you know I have to integrate with it, but I don't have to really worry about that. Uh, yeah. I, I could just tie into what's already there in the, in the ecosystem. Yeah, like I already know it's going to play well together. I don't have to mm-hmm. vet that out. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Maybe I'm 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 more I worry sometimes about people building solutions that are robust before the need has been proven. So, like one example that pops my mind is that imagine I had to do a search on a data table. You know, SQL has had text matching since the beginning of time. You know, which is limited in what in it can do and it's limited in performance characteristics. Or I could spin up some sort of elastic search server and, and uh, you know, deal with that kind of an API. And that would probably be maybe better performance and maybe better results. But it's also now another service that I have to pay for and potentially manage. And mm-hmm. like, would it be better on day one to just try throwing it in a relational database table and try running like on it? And or do some sort of other fuzzy text matching and like <laughs> uh, and like just I call it a day versus spending a whole bunch of time learning about yeah that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. So I, I just wonder if I mean, kids kids these days will never understand it. <laughs> I mean, Ben, when you put it like that, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, me, I would, yeah, I would just do a like statement. It's it's quick and dirty. I don't need to go hoist a whole new service, but for an MVP that right. maybe that you're working on, but you know, later down the road, mm-hmm. you're going to refactor that and maybe use some other service. We talked, we, we talked about this earlier, not pre-optimizing mm-hmm. too early, right? Or ever. Like, don't pre-optimize. Just wait until you mm-hmm. need it. Premature optimization. That's what you're looking there for. There you yeah. go. Okay. I think we covered this pretty well. Yeah. I, I love I, the cloud. I can't think of anything else I want to say about the cloud. I mean, we, I think we did a pretty good job covering the benefits and the drawbacks. I just want to look at what else uh, our Patreon said. How do you say? I get lost in the naming of the, all these services. Yep. But even before that, I just don't know why anyone would even start to think about using any of it, mostly because our stuff just runs fine on traditional stuff. It's not like I really need a billion services to run a web app. Maybe explaining why, when and why you'd move to the services would be, yeah. I think we covered that. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're outgrowing your server, then it's time to do something else. If you need more... Dependability was that or durability? Durability was the word that Ben used for the, probably the same price that you're paying for a physical server in a data center somewhere. You can have a virtual server or a couple of virtual servers in a couple of different availability zones, running your application and and load balance between the two, or even just like a failover scenario, so that if one of them were to go offline, then the other one kicks in. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this: so he he talked about you know why would you move it there. One of the pains that, that because we do have a lot of on-prem, on-premise hosting that we do ourselves, and some of it we can't really ever move, that the pricing on a PCI environment in the cloud is just, it's too far out of reach. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty out. Yeah. So, but it's like, so you, you buy equipment and you, the assumption is it's going to have a five-year lifespan. And so you depreciate out that cost of all that for over five years for your books. But it's like, Whenever you reach that point where you decide you need to upgrade your routers and your firewalls and your servers, there's a period of pain there that you go through, going through the, changing out that hardware. None of that applies when you're dealing with the cloud. Agreed. All that is done magically behind the scenes. They are upgrading their hardware constantly uh, and you don't. It's completely transparent to you. I so, mean, it does still occasionally happen. They'll be like, you're still on the old hardware and we just need you to reset your box and when it comes right. back up but it'll be on the new stuff that's, that's pretty yeah. painless though yeah. i mean yeah that's not oh i need to go offline and replace yep. the entire switch in my data center and yep. spend my saturday <laughs> doing it and- well i configured the firewall wrong and the nat wasn't hitting icp correctly <laughs> so uh sorry about the 24 hours of downtime <laughs> while i smoke <laughs> well, uh, i'm going Clip my ponytail. Okay. <laughs> wow. Remind me of that old job. <laughs> okay. I think it's time to bring it home. You guys agree? Yeah. Y'all, let's bring yeah. it okay. in. Let's bring it in. All right. So we have, and it, this is probably very relevant to say, we have never taken any money from any companies to say nice things about them, including AWS, GCP, Azure, anybody. And to be honest, we prefer to keep it that way. And we can only do that because of the support of listeners like you. So if you like what we're creating here, 
you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingcodepod. In addition to the warm feeling that you get in your heart for helping us create something positive in this world, we also offer perks for our patrons. They get an invite to our Discord server where we hang out and chat about the podcast and work stuff and life stuff. And we have other perks available like early access to new episodes and the after show. Every week we thank our top patrons. And since this week is part of every week, we're sending out a a huge thank you to Peter and to Monty. Thank you guys very much. And hey, if Patreon isn't your thing, then thanks for listening anyway. We appreciate having you here with us. You could share the show with your friends and coworkers because let's be honest, almost nobody searches podcast directories. So we really need your word of mouth referrals to help keep us growing. And you can leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that maybe one day we'll rank first when you search for the name of our podcast. Today's uh, show topic was a listener suggestion and we want you to keep sending those in. So please send your questions and your show topics to us on Twitter or on Instagram at Working Code Pod. Or you could leave us a message at 512-253-2633. That's 512-253-CODE. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember guys, your heart, that, that thing deep down inside you, that beats and keeps you living, keeps you feeling, it matters. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.